Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1. If you're new to the Bible, the, the book of Luke is in the New Testament. It's the third book in the New Testament. It's going to be probably a little past three quarters of the way through a paper Bible. And the book of Luke... Uh, has within it most of the Christmas story that you have probably heard of. So Luke chapter 1. Going to begin with a picture up on the screen of uh, me when I looked a little younger and my beloved wife. Some of you are like, that's not even you. It actually is. I'm so sorry. But that's us on our wedding day. Just to be clear, I am sporting a little bit of a mullet. You can see which was really cool back then, and my wife was doing the 80s big hair thing. Anyway, I share that because I was remembering on the, the amazing wedding day, when my wife said yes when I asked her and we began to plan the wedding, I decided that as part of the wedding, the big day, I would write a song for the wedding. Back then I played guitar a little bit and did a little music stuff. And I was just thinking, I still remember parts of the song that I sang. You want to hear it? Okay, you probably don't, but I will anyway. So it was at the beginning of the service. Uh, It was before my wife or fiance then, you know, was actually coming in. So everyone was there, and it was like a song of invitation to this really important day in my life. So part of it went, I invite you to... I had a guitar. I invite you to witness a miracle, to see my dream come true. It was just like, it's, and then, chicka, chicka, chicka. oh yeah, oh, it was heartbreaking. <laughs> and then, it, then it went on to say, I, uh, what was, there was a, the verse was, um, a man chicka, 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 will leave his mother. And a woman leave her home. Talking about two coming together and be as one. And then I broke into this little rap thing in my tux. I'm like, yo, it's my wedding day. And And then everybody went, hey, yo, hey, yo. Then my wife came in. Okay. The last part, the rap thing, yeah, that never happened. But the other part was serious. Oh, the things we do when we're young. But here's why I bring that up, to bring up this idea that it'll come up on the screen. Significant moments in life are often connected to songs or music. Does that make sense? We remember seasons or important things through music and songs. I, there's a, some songs will just trigger, you know, mental pictures of Things that were important or joyful, right? Um, rock the boat, don't rock the boat, baby, rock. Some of you are like, that sounds... See, remember that? It's an, old, it's an oldie song. Whenever I hear that song, whenever, like guaranteed, whenever I hear it, I think of camping with my family when I was a teenager. Like, it's just part of the deal. If we played some rock and roll ballads right now, some of you would have a strange compulsion to grab your phone and go, oh yeah. You would, some of you would have st- 
strange compulsions to do other things. <laughs> Sorry. Just thinking of some of the things you guys did at rock concerts. Corey. Maybe. He was over here going, oh, man, let's not go there. All right. Uh, but music is an important thing uh, to us. <laughs> I've got other examples. Sweet Caroline. Okay, forget it. Uh, so I want to make a shift now. <laughs> you guys are good. By the way, God is also into music and songs. Uh, some examples in Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is with you. And it actually describes he will rejoice over his children, over human beings, uh, with singing. The book of Psalms, which is one of the larger books in the Bible, kind of in the middle of the Bible, it's a huge collection of poetry and spiritual songs. In Revelation, the last book in the Bible, which is describing how the end will come and a new beginning with heaven and eternity, and it says in part of the imagery they will sing or they sang a new song before the throne of God. So music is in the midst of uh, Christianity, God's heart, spiritual development, all those things. So hold that thought. We're in this series called Mary's Christmas, and we're learning from Mary, the mother of Jesus, her recorded experiences in the Christmas story. And today we're going to explore a section where scholars describe it as the song of Mary. And we're going to learn from that. Um, by the way, Mary, at least there's no indication that she was a songwriter. Like, this is, was not a hobby. But there was so much going in her, on in her life that it apparently just kind of came out of her soul, this song thing. So here's what we uh, might need reminded of. So what's going on before we get to her song? An angel of the Lord has come to Mary announced to her that she's going to be the mother of the Messiah. Pregnancy has occurred. Uh, I don't know that anyone knows much about that she is pregnant. Probably a few people know. So she might be two or three months pregnant. She, just prior to this text, she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who is also pregnant, although more pregnant. She got pregnant a little earlier, kind of miraculously, because uh, she was really old, and God gave her, uh, helped her and her husband have a baby. And that baby is going to be John the Baptist, who's another big deal. So Mary is visiting, Mary pregnant, visiting Elizabeth pregnant, but bigger pregnant. And Mary has walked into the room, and little John the Baptist, little, he, the Bible says that she says she feels him leap, leap for joy. He leaps in her womb. So I don't know what's going on there, but something spiritual is happening so that when the little baby Jesus, little baby, 
gets in the presence of John the Baptist, John the Baptist goes, wah! And then Elizabeth supernaturally maybe knows about Mary and says, you're going to be the mother of God. So all this stuff is happening. And that's when then it's recorded that Mary writes, after that, writes this song. So it's probably not just about that interaction, but all this stuff that God's doing. And then she writes. It says, and Mary said, Luke 1, 46, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. We're going to read the entire song just to honor the scripture. It says, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He, again talking about God, has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So that's her song. Title of the talk is Mary Writes a Christmas Song. And uh, we're going to explore, we're going to try to answer the question, so what was going on in Mary's soul or mind that would make her so full of celebration or joy that she would go, I just got to write a song. Now the application is, the things that Mary is experiencing, the same God today is alive to God, and he does some of these things in our life. And I think that we might recognize who he is. It might affect our soul and maybe our celebration over Christmas. So let me pray. I'll give you some ideas. I hope, Lord, that you will open our eyes to what Mary experienced or saw in you and that it might affect us. If I just stand up here and talk, Lord, nothing significant will happen. But if you'll be our teacher here by your spirit, it'll be good. So we need you in Jesus' name. Amen. So two ideas on why Mary wrote this song, what was going on. The first one is this. You can write it down if you'd like. Mary wrote a song because God noticed, is to fill in the blank, God noticed her. And noticed is probably not a strong enough word, but that's what we're using. He noticed her. The word in the text, which is in verse 47, My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he, the word is, has been mindful. He's paying attention to her. Uh, the word there for mindful looks like this in the original language, and it means to give notice with special attention. It's to fix the eyes upon with focused attention. So this is way more than Mary is like, well, I know, because God knows everything, so he knows me. No, this is an attentiveness to God 
right to her. If you need a, uh, an illustration, a, pro, a modern day, what would this be like? This afternoon, uh, I'm going to a wedding. And at some point, Emmy, young lady getting married, she will enter in the, the back of the auditorium space. And the pastor or the parents, we know, right, we've been to, what will happen? Someone will go, rise, and the whole room will turn and they will watch Emmy. You've been at weddings, right? And everybody will be like, well, you know, what are we doing? And, and Emmy will have all of the eyes of attention on her. Now, that's not a bad picture of what Mary is feeling from God. Like, I can't believe that God would attend to me this much. By the way, and Mary has a sense of humility, and she knows it's not because she's in a wedding or got a wedding dress on. She actually says he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. So she's like, I just can't believe, like a little old me, that God would care about my, just, does that make sense? Here's what you can fill in to emphasize this idea. Although Mary is not especially noteworthy, God made her the center of his attention. And that strikes a chord in Mary's soul. By the way, Jesus who was God in the flesh, regularly gives us examples of how he notices people that may not be the most noticeable people. I, I was thinking they're like the lackluster people, but Jesus prioritizes them and notices them. By the way, this is good news for us. I'm looking at us all. Maybe a few of you are super special. But right, most of us, have a real sense of, I don't have that much to offer the God of the universe. Uh, so, some examples where Jesus paid attention, amazing attention to people. In Luke 21, Jesus is outside of the temple and people are putting offerings in an offering, kind of a box thing. And it says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. So they may have looked impressive. But it says, He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. No big deal offering. Most people would even say, I can't believe she's even given those pennies to this thing. But the reason that the story is in the Bible is not because of the rich people. God put it in the Bible because Jesus was noticing the little poor widow. And he, I'm really paraphrasing it, but afterwards he says to the disciples about the widow, this is not exactly right, but he basically says, ooh, I like her. I, I like her. Like of all the people, I like what she is doing. Another example in John chapter 4, there's a, a woman with a sinful past, sinful present. She'd been married and divorced five times. She is going to the community well to draw water. 
in the afternoon, it looks like she's going in the afternoon, which is a little unusual because most people would do that not in the heat of the day. They would go in the morning. Big crowds would go in the morning or in the evening. So she's probably going so that she won't run into people because she probably had a bad reputation. Does that make sense? Like just avoiding the crowds who might be unkind to her. And then it records Jesus has this huge interaction with this Samaritan woman. And this was new to me. As I was reading it this week, I realized God gives 26 verses of one of the Gospels with the details of Jesus talking to this woman. We don't even know her name. 26 verses. And as I, I didn't do a deep study, but as I looked, it may be the longest section in the Gospels of Jesus interacting with a person, and we don't even know her name. And she was not amazing. But does that make sense? 26 verses about this Samaritan woman who has a bad past, bad present, not all that amazing. God pays attention to these us. This, by the way, is for me regularly the most overwhelming part of the gospel in my life because I am well aware of my mediocrity. Any of you aware, well aware of your mediocrity? Yeah. Anybody think you're amazing? We'll cut you down right now. We'll just, we'll just help you see that in the eyes of God, you all ain't that much. But when you get in the presence of God, especially, then you're aware of, I'm aware of my shortcomings and my sins and the promises that I've made to him 150 times. I will never do that again, Lord, right, until this afternoon when I screw up again. Or does that make sense? And I regularly, when I became a Christian at 20, I remember weeping at the front of a church. And I think what was making me weep was I cannot believe how much I suck and that you would actually like or appreciate or send your son for me. It's just one of these things that continues to blow my mind. And part of that is what was in Mary's heart when she's like, I cannot believe you would be mindful of me. I'm going to write a song. Just to emphasize a couple more things before we're done with this point. What makes it incredible is the fact of who Jesus is and who God is. It's because he's all that. And we're not. And yet he attends to us. One writer writes in the Psalms, When I consider your heavens, talking about God, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, and then he goes on to say, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. That's this crazy idea that God cares for us. So just to get practical as we finish this point, here's a fill in the blank question. Am I experiencing what we're going to call the kind attentiveness of God. Are you recalling, are you talking to him enough to say, Lord, are you inclined to care for me? Because can I tell you the answer? The answer is he will say, yeah, I am. 
Am I experiencing the kind attentiveness of God? One more little side thing that I would challenge us with. I think our lives would be better if we spent less time trying to get accolades and affirmation from human beings and just decided to be with God and let him speak into our identity and who we are. You know, we spend a lot of time and effort trying to get someone else to like or approve or does that, maybe it's just me. Do you guys ever do that? Where like you're going to, I think social media, media has maybe made this even bigger where we're going to post something, but we, you know, we're going to post a picture, but we say, oh wait, take it again. And then we, is there a filter? Is there anything that can filter out my double chin? Is there a, is there a single chin filter that we can put on there? Or, right, we do. No, you guys don't, you guys are amazing. But you know how you work to, you know, to try to make it and we word everything just in hopes that somebody would like, and I think, by the way, here's another little thing. How do you know that will really never fix anything in our soul? Even if we get six likes or 60, it doesn't fix anything in here. You get with God and have him say, by the way, I'm glad to have you as my daughter. That'll do something in here. By the way, I'm proud of you, son. I know you're not perfect, but I love you enough to send my son to die on a cross for you. That will do something in us. So Mary wrote a song because God noticed her. The other idea, did I do all the fill in the blanks? Thank you. Mary writes a song, or wrote a song, because God extends mercy. We're going to finish up talking about mercy. <laughs> and mercy is a good feeling, folks. Um, word picture for mercy. Pretend after service, you're going to do something, driving in your car. And you're in a hurry, and you get caught going 22 miles an hour over the speed limit by Mr. or Miss Nice Police Person. Have you ever been there where you're, and, and try to get into the feeling of when you're zipping along and whatever, and then you see the little, and you, then you look down and you're like, no, no, right, the no way, and then you do the math, and then they do the math, and they say, oh, I had you at 22 over, and you're like, ah, this is all going to be bad, I'm totally caught, and then they, they say, license and registration, and then they go back, and they're sitting in the car, and you're just going, ah, I just want, right, imagine that feeling, and then imagine the feeling if by some amazing grace thing, they come up and they say, just slow down. And they let you go with no ticket. What do you do as you drive away? You write a song. <laughs> I didn't get a ticket. I didn't get it. Right? You, because of, now here's the deal. What did you receive in that moment? That's mercy. Because what do we deserve? Ticket. Penalty, price. What did he receive? Mercy. Just a side note, as we're talking now shifting more toward God. Mercy is not just ultra niceness. Mercy is when we totally deserve something really, really bad, but God withholds it from 
us. So there's, that's a simple definition of mercy. Mercy is withholding deserved punishment. All right? Let's go back to our text. Mary mentions twice in these eight or nine or ten verses. In verse 50, she says, His mercy extends to those who fear Him. Verse 54, He has helped His servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. So why is Mary filled with joy and song in her heart? You can write this in. Mary understood the punishment we deserve and the fact that God withholds it. That's not a great fill in the blank, but I think you get it. And those of us that really understand, it's more than he withholds it. He sent Jesus to pay for it. And that's mercy. By the way, it's probably important to clarify who, who receives mercy from this text. Because it's not everybody. We might think, we wrongly think sometimes, oh, no matter who you are and what you've done and whatever our attitude is, God's just full of mercy. He's just overflowing with it's okay. I don't care that you did this or that or there. I don't care that you hurt these people. I don't care that you, but I'm just mercy. Like he, he's, a, he's the mercy fairy who just goes, here, have some. It's like cotton candy. Go have, right? I don't know why I did that, but that is not, God is not indiscriminately gushing mercy. It says in the text, his mercy, this is really important. If you don't, if you don't know this, I get it because culture has a misunderstood sometimes view of God. His mercy extends to those who fear him. Our attitude toward who God is and the inappropriateness of our sinful behavior affects whether mercy is extended. And by the way, that makes sense. <laughs> if a police officer stops you, your attitude toward the situation probably could have be a determining factor on whether you get a ticket or non-ticket. Does that, does that make, no, yes? Just try it sometimes. Just, you know. No, don't try it because you'll get a ticket and then he'll... Does that make sense? There's a really sobering verse in Hebrews 29. I'm sorry, Hebrews 10. Where God is addressing people who are arrogant in their posture toward him. And it says, how much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? In other words, disregarding the fact that Jesus would come and die on the cross. I don't know what trampled underfoot, but you know, it's like, I don't know, like, whatever, you know, we wouldn't walk on things that are important to us. We would, and it goes on to say, who has insulted, try to grasp this, who has insulted the spirit of grace. Pause. 
The spirit of grace is what God did when he sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross. His spirit was, I want to extend grace. I want to give you this gift of salvation. My son will pay the price for all your sin. Wow, what a gift. To disregard that, to insult someone who's giving you a gift, would be to when they offer it to you, you just knock it out of their hands and go, I don't care about that. Or that's a stupid gift. I, or, or I got other things to do besides unwrap your gift. Does that make sense? For those people, mercy is not extended. How we respond to the gospel matters. Jesus gets all the credit for paying the price for our sin. But if we disregard that gift, here's, here's what it goes on to say in that text. It says, again, in the context of that, that kind of a heart or arrogant posture, it says it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That's really important for us to know. I think maybe just a little word of advice in our culture. Make sure we keep filtering out all the voices that talk about how much you deserve. Oh, you deserve. Oh, you deserve more pay. You deserve, you know, that you deserve. Can I tell all of us what we deserve before God? That's a zero. We deserve punishment before God. Just, and some of you are like, no, 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 I'm a really good person. Can I get in your face for a minute? No, you ain't. No, you, do ne never. Look, so now I'm getting all wound up. Because I was deceived on this before I became, I was totally deceived. I'm like, oh no, I'm a good guy. I sucked. If in God's, you, if, if we take our little junk into the presence of God and go, hey, God, I'm sure you're glad I'm here because of all I offer you, that is a whacked out view of who we are in the perfect, pure, holy presence of God. The only appropriate posture is something like, thanks, thanks for letting me in the door. And Lord, here it is. Lord, will you have mercy on me? And that will get you the mercy of God, which is amazing. That's the kind of thing that Christians have been singing about for 2,000 years. That instead of being punished, God would say, because of the death of my son, it's all washed away. Come into this mercy. Isn't that neat? No wonder Mary grasped it and it produced a song-like response. Last two ideas. Am I staying humble before God? Stay humble. Let's stay humble. And am I enjoying fully his mercy? Enjoy the moment. Some of you will know the answer to this right away. Who's been forgiven for their sin because of the blood of Christ? That, you, you want to do something fun for Christ? Enjoy that reality. Celebrate that reality. Sing a song about that in your soul, write a poem, enjoy it. God is amazing. Why don't you stand and we'll close. 
Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.